Brokering success demands a battle-ready strategy. Thai TMS equips brokers with the ultimate battle station for conquering a tough market. With Thai, brokers gain access to a comprehensive platform where rate intelligence and quote history coverage on a single screen. Revolutionize the way your brokers perform by giving them a competitive advantage with Thai TMS. For more info, visit thaisoftware.com slash battlestation. of Check Call. Today we're covering some pretty uh, current event topics with one of our favorite guests. Don't forget to subscribe to Check Call the newsletter on FreightWaves.com if you haven't already. Today we welcome back one of our absolute favorite guests, the one and only Thomas Lawson, enterprise carrier expert here at FreightWaves. Welcome back to the show, Thomas. It's a pleasure to be back. Look, I'm moving up. I'm on a desk. I have a background. We're classing it up for this episode. There's no more uh, lamp in the background or like a a hastily decorated bookcase. I like it. Until next time. (laughs) Until someone figures out that you've that you've that you're in the Freightwave studio recording things. Exactly. I put up a bookshelf. I have two bookshelves now. So, the, you know, the audience is going to think I'm smarter. I'm just throwing it out. Hey, that's two more than I have. All my books just sit in another room on the floor because I'm a monster. But it's okay. We're going to get there. We're getting there. It's a 2024 goal is to buy a bookshelf. Um, so if you have any good recommendations on a bookshelf, let your girl know. But... Today, hot, spicy takes, or as you like to call them, Kentucky Fried Chicken, hot chicken sandwiches takes. Um, there have been some. There have been some news coming out, Thomas, and I'd like to get your thoughts on them. Are you ready for it? Always. I know that you uh, have a soft spot in your heart for a brokerage, even though you're the um, you're the you're the enterprise ca- trucking expert. Uh, what do you think about the whole Flexport relaunching the Convoy Digital Freight? Um, platform what do you what, what are your thoughts on that i mean i think it's it's a smart play flexport is doing you know you don't think of flexport like a traditional broker flexport is uh, is really helping out you know the maritime some of that first mile a lot of the stuff but it was such a really nice app the workflow was great it only made sense to to pull it from convoy and uh you know they are integrating the brokerage aspects and i really do think eventually that the play is gonna be it's like well convoy you have these problems I'm going to take this carcass. I'm going to tidy it up. I'm going to throw it back on the ranch and we're going to be good to go. Uh, I like that. The take the carcass, throw it back out on the ranch and it's good. It's, it's, you know, if it's kind of that ultimate, you know, life cycle sustainability thing of, you know, you're just finding a second life for a product that, you know, had a rough go. It had a rough go for a little bit. And now it's been recycled and upcycled into something that's actually extremely beneficial for Flexport. And, uh, you know, that is, um, that is, that is the kind of success I like to see. This kind of ingenuity that I would like from my supply chain providers. I mean, that's only sleeping. It'll come, it'll wake back up, the, the, the prize dairy cow. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things like we've talked on end about the demise of Convoy, the tele, you know, Silicon Valley startup, the drama, the narratives. But from a very pragmatic standpoint, I mean, I think it's the tech was there. The workflow was there. Even though all the other stuff may have not been there, like you just can't pass that up. And for Flexport, you know, this is my personal take. It, had a, it raised a lot of money. Its investors are expecting a lot of movements. We had the drama with the founder coming back, like uh, Return of the King and Lord of the Rings. I mean, you've got to kind of show, I call it the new CEO move for the returning one in this case. You've got to show some kind of decisive action. You got to shake the box a little bit. And we're going to see this and, you know, see if it pans out. It's just, you know, it's like running with a monkey on your back that's also carrying a bunch of weight. Flexport will have to 
you know, continue to kind of get out of the hole. You, you take a little money to get in the hole to spend money and hopefully let's see if it plays out. I, I, I like that. Um, is the return of the king, is this, is this the second or the third Lord of the Rings? Uh, first one is the Lord of the Rings, Twin Towers, Return of the King. Yeah, so it is, we are in the three-part trilogy. I don't know what the middle part is for Flex Sports. I think the saga was like Peterson left or something. Now he's back. Like, There's a whole saga. He's going to be a speaker. We'll ask him when he comes to one of the events or something like that. Yeah, that's a good one. I was just thinking because the third Lord of the Rings movie I did not like. Um, so that does not bode well <laughs> for this analogy. <laughs> It's Peter Jackson's fault. They should have had more CG, like The Hobbit. Yeah, that's a spicy take right there. You get some nerds riled up with that. The, the, the Hobbit was better than the third original Lord of the Rings? Yeah, I would just say that for, for just content. We call that rage bait in the media world because, you know, the, the whole people will come out of the woodwork and just start fighting over it. Um, my favorite one is uh, find the interview with George R. R. Martin uh, making fun of Tolkien. And that also is a fun one. The Game of Thrones guy. I love that. I, you know, I feel like everyone should be able to, you know, make fun of one of like their biggest rivals. I don't actually know if George R. R. Martin and Tolkien are rivals, but I feel like they could be. Well, Tolkien's deceased. So it's, you know, never meet your heroes, I guess. All right. Well, the, uh, the, the the unscorched earth that we have right now is, um, you know, I know this is near and dear to your heart uh, because of the time that you spent uh, in your various previous lives. A bit season, Thomas, also known as, uh, you know, hell on earth or the day that you wish everyone forgot your email address. Um, what is your, uh, so we have some headlines that, you know, J.B. Hunt was saying that, you know, bid season was kind of off to a rocky start and that, you know, volumes are kind of down and rates aren't really what they are. Uh, what, are what are your thoughts? What is, what is, what is bid season looking like from the, the 3,000 mile up? You don't have to actually answer the emails view. Derek Leathers with Warner on the earnings call. He was absolutely my spirit animal. And he basically said straight up, there are some customers like, you know, they said, first off, we're still working through our bids. We're haggling. We're working on it. Okay. We're like 20% of the way through. Don't ask me about it. But secondly, he said, some of these customers are still asking for cuts. And this is something Hunt also said, we're getting below profitability, folks. And uh, he said that literally, in spite of the fact they're asking for cuts, he basically said, as my interpretation, uh, as a poor man's equity analyst, we will burn this to the ground and I will lose trucks and not acquiesce your crappy RFP if I have to and move into dedicated because it's harder to get rid of us. That is the greatest take I've ever heard. Derek just saying it like it is. And it's refreshing because, you know, if you'd invited me there to these little earnings calls, if I was the anointed one in my ivory tower uh, taking pot shots at uh, these large equity analysts and Scott Group with Wolf Research, that's right. I'm calling you out. Give me back access to your newsletter. Um, you know, you're asking BS questions. You're asking crap. I don't care about your earnings per share. I can, you know, if you have any, if any of these analysts had half a sense, they would go through and look at their working tractor. They look at the OR and they try to find, how are you trying to screw me? That's the first question. Thomas's role for understanding trucking stocks is where are you hiding the money? You know, one of them hid like a, oh, which one was it? Schneider? One of them had like a $75 million loss because they were insuring small fleets. And then like uh, one of them sold terminals. Yeah, that's what be actually a comedy show. Thomas's Q4 comedy show where they both lost so much money. The only reason they made money was one carrier sold some terminals to make like 14 mil in the green. And then the other one decided to like move some stuff around and say, we're just riding it off. So uh, yeah, big shout out to that. Hunt has the same problem. Remember though, JB Hunt is a small, 
We talk about hunt like trucking, but they're smart. They got out of trucking because why would you be riding that speedball going up and down, being stressed all the time when you can deal with intermodal? And they actually had a thing with Walmart. They're getting in on that Walmart action, doing Walmart's intermodal, which is the big unsung story. So yeah, I've, I got a little bit of spicy take on that. I, you know, honestly, if I am on those calls, I'd get kicked off. So, I mean, it wouldn't matter. I would ask some question that managed would be like, you're just an a-hole. I don't want to deal with you because, you know, I think that's one of the challenges. And Mike Bowden does still, we need to have, we need to bring Mike on here for the three box. It, it talks about one of the challenges for equity analysts is you get access if you talk nicely about them. That's step one. So you think that I'm a shill. Y'all are just shills of a different name because if you go hard and make it into a sell or degrade the status of the equity or you give them a bad report, they won't invite you to the calls. So I apologize now, Scott Group, because I know it ain't easy work in that corner and it's just one of those things. I absolutely love that. Is That is quite possibly the spiciest take, but one of the things that you said that I, I cannot shout enough from the rooftops is that once you get a dedicated carrier in there, it is almost impossible to get them out. And from a carrier perspective, I would be clawing my way in to be a dedicated carrier. But from like a brokerage perspective, I would be like, no, I'm not doing it because if they mess up, then it takes me like two years to get them out and so much headache that it's almost not even worth it. It's hard for brokerages. Now, brokerages can do dedicated in a smaller thing. But what happens is the customer sends us out. You've seen it. I've seen it. And then the carriers all get the same email blast. So the carriers have wisened up because they know they're the only ones with enough trailers. There's not many tra- you know, carriers with a three-to-one ratio. And normally it's a one-to-one because ain't nobody got time or money for that. And they'll start being like, oh yeah, I just got this email from everybody else. And so, you know, if you're a customer, that's why your Werners, that's why your US Expresses, your Night Swift, your Schneiders, your JB Hunts, that's why that dedicated exists. Because even the customer knows the broker is just going to reach out and they're just going to take a cut. So just cut out the middle person. Uh, also, these views are expressed solely of Thomas Watson in no way related to Freight Waves or Fire Crown Media, and I am not a professional financial accountant, so uh, I love you all, analysts and your legal teams. <laughs> For legal purposes only. <laughs> but the disclaimer, this is, this is satire, okay? My real professional opinion, though, is there is always a conflict of interest with equities because if you do go too hard, they don't invite you and they don't show up to your thing, so it's okay. Uh, but at the same time, the buy side due to the Chinese firewall is doing the real moves. And so you really want to find the buy side, but they'll never let you in that party because you're not cool enough anyway. More of the story is be a pension fund. Okay, I like it. Uh, I think that, Thomas, I think we should uh, make you like the John Oliver of Freight where you just, you know, make absolutely ludicrous deals and offers to people. Um, and that's just, that's just, that's just Thomas. I mean, I would try to tell, give a million dollars a year to a carrier executive to let me show up and like talk and represent their brand. So maybe that could work out. But I, I think we need that. There's a lot of humorous truths uh, that go on in the supply chain and, and the chaos is glorious. You have a little bit of gallows humor, uh, you know, working in it long enough. Oh yeah, you kind of get that. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's kind of that. Like uh, the, the the spirit has been beat down, but it's still funny, and that's how you survive. That's your coping mechanism. You know, I feel like a World War One veteran trying to do stand up in the 1920s. You know, it's the same way. It's like anybody else remember the large rats? I do. You know, most other media people. You and I came from roles. We were functional roles. So the best part of this media. Uh, this is why you wanted some spicy takes today. Uh, the best part is, is that. I didn't go to a fancy prestigious college. I didn't major in journalism. I'm just here to like 
talk about how it is and give insights. And I happen to know how to write. It turns out it's, you know, if you get some good editors, uh, it, it happens. So I think that's important for folks to remember because a lot of this legacy media and the gatekeepers, so to speak, uh, you'll see a lot of the similar trends, but they don't actually, they don't get to the real nuggets, the real gooey center of the suffering. And they're missing that. And the writing misses that level of suffering. So their audience can relate and know it's okay. They're also suffering. We all ask how to suffer together and survive in whatever way we can. Um, but jumping back to the bid season part, do you think that there, if you if you were sitting there and you were back in your in your bid in your bid days, um, do you think that there would be a lot more of like those traditional year long bids, or do you think there'd be a lot more of those like three to six month mini bid or project bids or whatever we're calling them these days um, to kind of hedge against the uh, the impending market switch. Because if I'm a carrier, I want to lock in those cheap... Or I'm not a carrier. If I'm a shipper, I want to lock in those cheap rates now. So that way when the market flips and spot rates increase, I'm still paying those dirt cheap rates. Um, do you think that uh, there... Do you think there's a push more for the 12 month or the three to six month shorter bids? Market bottom, you want a 12 month because at the same time, game theory. I want to hedge this out. And if I do a six month, I know that if everyone's saying second half to the end of the year, it's going to switch, I'm going to end up paying more. So for the largest carriers, we're still seeing the typical 12-month cycle. Now, if I'm a carrier and I'm heading into RFP, I'm expecting to lose probably 5%. Now, I know by the middle of the year, the next RFP, maybe I'm going to break even, and then maybe I'll get 5% in Q3, maybe get 10% in Q4. That's how these carriers think. That's why they're thinking like, hey, we're only this much percent done in their calls. So, I mean, it's 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 funny. You remember we talked about Valentine's Day and National Side Chick Day the day after? Well, you're going to know if you're the main chick or the side chick, metaphorically speaking, because if you get that 12 12-month one, you're the one they're going to be with. You're the incumbent. But if you get that six or eight-month one, they either don't trust you or they expect you to flake out or you're at the bottom end of the routing guide and I don't know about you or you're a freight broker. Uh, so, you know, I think that's one of the big indicators. RFP season right now, at the end of the day, hang on. You're going to take losses. My strategy from doing truckload network design is that tighten the network, reduce deadhead, reduce dwell, analyze your markets, make mental notes on which lanes work and which don't, because you don't have the luxury to tell them to pan sand yet. But like Christmas coming up, put on your Christmas list lanes that piss me off and customers that piss me off because we're setting the stage now. Who screwed me in Q1 is who I screw in Q1 next year. And a reckoning will come, my friends. I am waiting for this shift in the balance that I know is happening because we had, you know, the pandemic where everything kind of stopped and then everything became in favor of the carriers. They had the freight, they had everything, they had the crazy high spot rates. And then we had the shift and now everything is, uh, or was kind of in favor of the shippers. And now we're kind of coming to that, to that middle of like, we have to find that common ground where we're, we're not screwing each other over, but all of these like past three to four years of pent up well like you got me for this or you I got taken for a ride on this or I feel like you know I was left out of something I think that's really gonna take over here um, as we kind of get into the end of this year and the beginning of 2025 when things kind of return to normal um, um, I think I think Hot take. I think we're going to see some longstanding partnerships of like, you know, shippers that have had this carrier for a very, very, very long time. I think we're going to start to see some of that, you know, switch up. I think it's going to get a little, little heated. Because the technology, 
It used to be it was so clunky, the tech sucked, it was harder to remove these trailers and kick people out, but we've gotten so much better with visibility and tech that if I need to kick out your 75 trailers from that DC, it's a lot easier now. Or I'll just do what uh, um, Amazon used to do, which was a universal interchange agreement or FedEx or, you, you know, some of these carriers, from my experience, would do that and you lose your trailers. They're like, well, I'm sorry, we needed to load this. And your trailer's in like Kalamazoo or something like that. And then you get mad and you're like, bro, give me my trailer back. And like, uh-uh-uh, you didn't see the universal interchange. So we are, you know, with the advent and the rise of trailer pools for everyone, we are going to see possibly less friction for those shippers. And that's why you remember with Dedicated, that's we go full circle now. Why do we like Dedicated as a defensive measure in a moat in these tough times? Because they can't pull that silliness because you also have a rep in there. You have your own drivers or you're providing the drivers, the account manager and the logistics. And so if you just pull that out, that thing shuts down compared to an already functioning DC that's just taking these transactions. Absolutely. I worked uh, at a shipper for a while and I I did, I babysat dedicated carriers. Like I literally sat next to the account managers and I was like, I would, there was times I would look over and be like, how badly are you going to screw me today? And they were like, we don't know yet. <laughs> Speaking truth to power. And it was one of those, cause like at the beginning, you're always like, Hey, if you could like you know, just be better. That'd be great. Uh, but then eventually you just kind of accept the fact and you're like, all right, who's, who's doing what today? How much do I need to prepare? Um, but I guess, yeah, you know, I'm all for carriers getting in that dedicated thing. It's a, it's a, it's a easy, nice way to cut, to cash that check and take it all the way to the bank. Um, but if carriers are kind of, I guess, looking for ways to grow in that partnership with shippers or their, um, their, their three PLs for if they're doing a managed trans situation, um, what are some of the ways that they might be looking to grow? I mean, we just saw TFI and Dask, Dask, Dasky. Thank you. Dasky. We just saw them spin off um, as a way to kind of, you know, grow both both brands. Do you think we're going to see more of that as the year goes on? I mean, uh, right now, M&A, mergers and acquisition will probably continue to see because it's like, uh, you know, when the wildebeests are crossing uh, in the Serengeti and the alligators are waiting. Well, the, the fleets that are still there are the alligators and they're just waiting for little stragglers and you're going to gobble them up. That's the same principle. So, I mean, I would say at least the first half, continue to see M&A. But remember, there's a challenge to that. Uh, Heartland. They did that, but they've got an upset stomach. The two that they got over the past two years ago is like Smith Transport and the other one. They're like a combined 103 OR, while Heartland themselves' legacy was an 85. That was the one I think they sold a terminal because they lost money in Q4. Go figure. But I mean, that's an example of the, the challenges and pitfalls that you're going to run into. Now, dedicated as in uh, taking over a DC, we will see more smaller carriers get access because brokers are getting savvier, the tech's getting there. It's getting easier to wrangle all the kids when it used to just be one. At the same time, though, um, you know, larger carriers will continue to have that premium because they have the size and the capability. And shippers are naturally going to, even though the larger carriers may suck at service, you get what you pay for on that, um, they will still trust them because at least I know for sure versus there's five times four, four carries of five trucks performing the role of 20. And then I trust the broker to handle it. But then like three of those trucks were in the shop and now I have all this drama and now the broker's having to go on the spot market, posting it on a load board. You see how that problem versus I can just yell at one of you. 
a hundred percent. I, um, I like that. I also think that this is going to be the year of the regional carrier. I think that regional carriers are going to get a lot more business than they had maybe intended because of that service. Um, because honestly, I think shippers have gotten used to the service that they got over the past few, the past year when the market was down. So when things kind of turn, I think it's going to, we're going to look for a little bit more creative solutions to make sure that shippers are still getting that same level of service. And like you said, the rise of technology, I think that's really going to lend itself nicely to those regional carriers. Regional carriers specialize. And I mean, we always know Northeast regional and other regional ones, but I do think they'll continue to have much better odds. The larger carriers right now, it's, the business model is the same. It's the same since past 85 and deregulation. I think at the same time, all regional and small fleets are going to continue to make gains. Technology's making their lives. That's why they haven't all gone out. We have so many more trucks. We have like trucking bloodbath mentioned like three times already. They just won't go away. Like smaller carriers and owner operators are metaphorical cockroaches right now. Stay strong, my dudes. But at the same time, there are, we saw with US Express getting bought out, we're seeing the Dasky spinoff, we're seeing all this other stuff. Large carriers that have grown will only continue to grow through mergers and acquisitions and leveraging it because they can't organically grow. And when I mean organically grow, some idiot's going to tell me, oh, well, Thomas, I managed to increase my fleet count by 100. Well, congratulations, but you have like a 95% turnover. Your business model is based on churn and burn. And uh, the smaller regional carriers have like a 60% turnover versus your 95. So don't give me that crap. You really can't grow. The only reason we were able to grow so much was because pre-ELD mandate, there was better utilization, better drive, they're simply begetting themselves. They're existing because of their size at the moment. That's the warning signs. They Now, they can win, but they have to expand into things like LTL and intermodal. So we're seeing that. But the remaining pure play, like uh, Werner is one of the very few player play, Heartland's one of the very few pure play, uh, you know, they're going to have to start looking at that because they're still dealing with the roller coaster and all the legacy trucking companies that are savvy are having to expand outwards because they are able to do stuff that these smaller fleets and regional ones can't do, like the intermodal or the complexities of having an LTL network, or maybe air, stuff like that. I absolutely love your spicy takes. You brought them, I think they might be like Popeye's hot chicken hot. Like let's, we've moved away from the Colonel's spices and we have moved straight into that Sweet, sweet New Orleans heat. Um, <laughs> that being said, Thomas, we know where you stand on a lot of issues that we've had, we've pestered you with over the years on the show. But this year, or not this year, today, we're going to get to superpowers. If you could have one superpower and it only worked on Wednesday, what would you, what would it be? Oh, that's, that's a good one. Uh, make gold out of thin air. That way I can like, you know, say I get a paycheck every Wednesday. I mean, that'd be good. You know, I I, look, that's very similar to mine. Mine is just like a room in my house would be full of money. And that way on Wednesday, like, because like, it's like a little allowance all the time. So you're not getting like a million dollars. You just get like a little bit every week. And, you know, it's just you can slowly like call me the trust fund kid. That'll be my superhero name. Trust fund kid, because you'll never know. I mean, like, you know, there's been reports of people just hiding gold bars everywhere. So good superpower in my opinion exactly all right well thomas if anyone wants to catch any of your hot and spicy freight opinions or if they've got a line on how to make gold appear out of thin air where can they find you outside the show 
Check it out, freywaves.com slash loaded and rolling. You may see some of my content as well. I'm learning to be a writer, TBD. Uh, Also, you'll see the uh, Loaded and Rolling show Tuesdays at 2 p.m. So the newsletter is Thursday at 2. The live show, Tuesdays at 2. We got the newsletter. It's great stuff. Uh, Talking about upcoming stuff for uh, the week. I've talked to the folks at uh, Nicola coming up. We've got some good conversations with Charles Gracie on recruiting. A lot of great content in the pipeline. I love it. So basically, if after someone's done watching Trek Call, they can just keep watching YouTube and then Loaded and Rolling will come up just right afterwards. Don't touch that internet dial, folks. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure. You can find Trek Call the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to check out all the other incredible FreightWaves podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter on FreightWaves.com slash Trek Call. See you on the internet.